0: So I I want us to look at an example of a person in the Bible who kind of went through something like this. His name was Gideon. And uh, I want to read Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. I'm reading from the New International Version. And um, this is what it says. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is the reading of God's word. I want to tag a title to this text. This is your affirmation. This is your declaration in this season. Here it is. This means war. I'm gonna say that one more time because the scriptures not only instruct us to shout, they instruct us to shout with a certain type of specificity. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm gonna say the title one more time because victory has a sound. I'm not talking about noise. Victory has a sound. So I'm going to say this one more time and I want to hear a sound of victory tonight. This means war. Not without a fight, devil. 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 devil. This. Means war. War? (laughs) Family, it has been and can be said and suggested that part of the role and the responsibility of the church is to be the educational arm of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that a church is a school. I am saying that a church has educational and not just inspirational responsibility, got me? If a church is simply inspirational, but not educational, they are not faithfully fulfilling what some biblical historians call the great commission. See, Alan Hirsch puts it this way. God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. That he knows what he wants to do. The church doesn't determine what we do. He knows what he wants to do. And he has given the church the assignment to make disciples, apprentices, to teach people how to live the king's way. And I can say, Because I can't speak for the church all over the world. My experience with the church has been in the West and in America. I can say that to a degree, we've attempted to carry out that responsibility. We've taught you how to serve. We've taught you how to sow. We've taught you how to shout. But there is an area that is equally important but often overlooked. We've taught you to serve. We've taught you to sow. We've taught you to shout. But we have not taught you how to fight. And as a result of that reality, many of us go into adversity, unprepared and ill-equipped. Because the assumption that many operate with is this that if, listen to me, that if God has something for me, it doesn't have to be fought for. And I came today to tell you the entire book of Judges, which is a book about conquest. It is the Old Testament equivalent to the book of Ephesians. It is a book that is intended to transition you from prophetic announcement to prophetic fulfillment. It's a book that exists to teach you from just singing about it to walking in it. It, Did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a book that's intended to shift you from a, watch this, from a it's about to season to it already has season. It's a book about conquest and the possession of what God promised. And if you read the book, it is a book filled with battles. Because God is trying to teach you and me. He's not condoning violence here, but he's trying to teach you and me that what is for you must be fought for. Listen to me. And your willingness to fight for it is a revelation that you actually believe it belongs to you. So the fight isn't works. The fight is faith. Faith is what provokes you to fight. Because you don't fight for what you don't believe is yours. But if you leave the epicenter, go back to your house, and somebody is in your house that shouldn't be there. And they're taking something that doesn't belong to, to them. You are more inclined to lay hands on the sick. Why? Because you believe you're taking something that belongs to me. And the reason some people don't fight for peace is because they don't believe it's theirs. And the reason some people don't fight for joy is because they don't believe it's theirs. And the reason some people settle for relationships that are toxic and abusive and exploitive is because they don't believe God's got somebody that'll love you right. But I came to the epicenter tonight to let the ATL know that what God has for you, it is for you. And I'm telling you, faith has to put up a fight. So there's something that we need. We need, listen to me, we need to be taught more than aptitude. We need to be taught attitude. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? I said we need to be taught more than aptitude. We need to be taught attitude. Because it is the attitude that determines whether or not you use the aptitude. Please stay with me. The Bible says gifts and callings come without repentance. That means that when God's gifted you with something, then He doesn't, He may remove His anointing. But he doesn't remove that gift. It comes without repentance. If you can sing, you can sing. If you can speak, you can speak. If you got a skill, you Am I making sense so far? So once you've received that grace gift from God, the enemy, since God can't revoke it, the enemy can't revoke it. So the only way he can render it useless is to talk you into not using it. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, his job is to keep you unaware of what is actually on the inside of you. He knows it's there. God knows it's there. But you won't make full use of it until you know it's there. And I am telling you tonight prophetically that some of your problem is not an aptitude problem. It is not an ability problem. You got an attitude problem. You don't believe in you enough. What do you mean, Tessa Darius, I don't believe in me enough. I believe in God. Well, in Numbers 13, when the Israelites tried to possess the promised land, they believed in God too. But they missed the promise not because they didn't believe the right thing about God. They couldn't go in the promised land because they didn't believe the right thing about them. Oh, I'm in the Bible. They said, we are as grasshoppers. Their problem was not how the enemy saw them. Their problem was not how God saw them. Their problem was how they saw themselves. I'm coming to get you tonight though. Because there's a you on the inside of you and God's getting ready to pull them out. He's getting ready to pull her out. Your pity party days, your days of chronic victimization are over. It's time for an attitude adjustment. This means war, not with the devil, with me. I need so I feel something. Getting ready to break, see I'm not playing tonight. I said I feel something. Getting ready to break off of you in here tonight. Somebody shout and make the devil mad.
1: Oh my
0: God. Yes, sir. Everything I'm teaching. Is exemplified it is seen it's personified in Jesus are y'all ready for this everything or not everything but most of what we know about Jesus are y'all ready he told us about himself <laughs> did you hear what I just said <laughs> I said most of what we know about Jesus he said about himself he's the one that said I'm the way <laughs> the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me who said that Jesus who was he talking about himself So if Jesus is the epitome of meekness and lowliness, yet he still can articulate the authenticity of who he is, why are you walking around talking about what you can't do? said that he said it he said it he said it he would raise Lazarus up before he said he to the town. he was he was he said he said he asleep, but i he said he raise him up. He said, it might be dead, but when I get there, see, some of see, see this, see this kingdom teaching here, it's not just, yeah, he said, he yeah, it, it might be one way before I get there, but don't call me unless you want it fixed. Y'all, <laughs> he said, all right, Mary Martha, you call me. Don't call me unless you want something to change. But he's been dead four days. The disciples said, he's thinking. Say, it don't matter. It don't matter. It's oh, it. personified in Jesus. And I think we look at Jesus' aptitude, okay. but not his attitude. Good. And I am sharing with you the importance of this because without the attitude, he does not release utilize and make full use of the aptitude. He said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'm gonna raise it back up again cause that's what I do. And there, listen, throughout scripture, there are two dominant dominant animal metaphors. When you see animals, right, being used in the Bible, animals are examples of personality traits and character types, right? So how many have heard the scripture, don't be unequally yoked? Okay, so Paul uses that in the New Testament, right? But the language comes from the Old Testament, where Israel's instructed, agriculturally, Don't put an ox and a donkey underneath the same yoke. Their natures are different. The ox is obedient, hardworking, non-temperamental. The donkey is stubborn, unpredictable, moody, and temperamental. And so Israel is instructed, don't yoke up an ox and a donkey because when the master calls you forward, the ox is going to want to come. But the donkey, are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you see animal metaphors, they're, they're like attitude, right? Be wise as a serpent, humble as a dove. All right, listen to me now. Can I teach this tonight? Y'all okay? All right, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. There are two animal metaphors that are used dominantly to describe Jesus. One of them is overemphasized. Not incorrectly, but it's overemphasized. Because that metaphor is the lamb. Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Lamb speaking to his docile nature. Meek, non-aggressive. And that's, that's important. That's not incorrect. But if you stop there, it's incomplete. Because that's not the only animal the Bible uses to describe Jesus. Yes, he's called the Lamb, but Revelation calls him the Lion from the tribe of Judah. Did you hear what I just said? And I am telling you that the Lion speaks to his assertiveness and his strength and his tenacity and his resilience. Look at me. The Lamb went to the cross, but the Lion is what came out of the grave. And there are some of us that are staying in tombs longer than we have to because you know how to be a lamb. But in 2021, God's trying to teach you how to be a lion. Let me hear some lions roar tonight. This is so important because kingdom advancement will always be met with unexpected opposition. I don't even have time to tell you all the stuff we had to go through to find that building. It's not just aptitude, it's attitude. attitude says look again okay let me let me go to this side I just want to find who's free attitude say apply again attitude say call him again attitude say just pull up on him yeah. attitude And I'm coming to somebody tonight telling you there's nothing wrong with being a lamb, but you are not in lamb season. You are in the fight of your life. You are fighting for your sanity. You are fighting for your next level. Some of you are fighting for your children and your family. This is not the time to be bad, bad, bad. This is the time to open your mouth and roar. ba 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 Hold it. And the book of, I'm all right, I got 14 minutes, y'all all right? The book of Judges is an example of what I'm articulating. Do you understand this? Look at this, Joshua 18.3 says this, So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you take possession Of the land that the Lord, your God of the ancestors, has given you. Joshua comes before Judges, right? Got me? So this is Joshua 18, not Joshua 6 or 7. So Jericho has already happened. So they got one city that was in the promised land. But God didn't promise them a city. Y'all miss what I just said. Jericho wasn't a whole country. Jericho was just the first city in the promised land. The land represents the promised life, right? It represents the life that's available to us in Christ. So them taking one city is not the equivalent of taking the whole land. So they take a city and get satisfied. You satisfied with a city? All this crying you did, you're gonna settle for a city? All this adversity you overcame, you're gonna settle for a city? When my God promises me recompense and compensation for my agitation? I don't want a city. Let me see if I got any old school churchgoers in here. Lord, I'm running. Trying to make and a half. it won't do I'm not selling for a city he promised me the land so Joshua asked Israel so how long you gonna wait you gotta he asked them how long you gonna wait he didn't say God's waiting on you, waiting on God. He didn't say that. He said, how long are you going to wait? Because God's going to let you live on whatever level you settle for. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. Yeah. He's going to let you live on whatever level he settle, you settle for. You got me? Because the promised land represents what we would call his preferred will. It's what he prefers. But he's a leader, not a pharaoh. He'll lead you there. He won't drive you. He won't force you. He doesn't even force people to heaven. He doesn't send send anybody anywhere. He says, if you don't want to be with me temporarily, why would I force myself on you eternally? I'm just giving you what you want. You don't want me. But this is what life is like without me, weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said, How long are you gonna wait? So the book of Judges, which comes after Joshua, are y'all alright? Yes. I got 10 minutes and 43 seconds. You right? Okay. So the book of Judges is after Joshua. In Joshua, Joshua asks them, How long are you gonna wait? And then Judges begins with this. Are y'all ready for this? It begins with now after the death of Joshua. What do you do when your motivator dies? <laughs> what do you do when your encourager dies? Not dies literally, but dies out of your life. What, what, what do you do when the ones or the people or the systems or the structure that you've been depending on and relying on die? It says, now after the death of Joshua, Israel asks, okay, now, who shall go up first against us, uh, for us to fight against the Canaanites? Because if Moses was here, he would tell us. If Joshua was here, he would tell us. So now, instead of going to people, I got to go to God. Because the person I would call, I can't call now. And the person I would text, I can't text now. And the person that would tell me to do, can't tell me what to do, can't speak into my life in this season that I'm in. So who shall go up? And the Lord said to them, Judah shall go up first. One translation puts it this way. The Lord said, send Judah first. (laughs) He says, y'all in a new season, you do not have a military commander. You're wondering what to do now. He says, so the first thing you need to do is go to the tribe called Judah. And you tell Judah you're going up first. Judah up first. Judah up first. Judah up first. Not Judah down last, but Judah up first. Here it is for those that aren't following Judah means praise. even fight the battle God says your battle strategy has to be send Judah first not after you win not after you get it not after it happens send Judah first I just want to know is there anybody in here and anybody in the overflow that's in the middle of a battle and you don't know what to do your answer right here and right now is to sin. Well, send it then. Now I'm analytical. Right? I'm analytical. That's the way God wired me. That's a whole nother sermon, too, because you need to stop apologizing for your wiring. Oh my God. I've been wired for a work. Oh, wow. I'm not apologizing, I don't apologize because I'm introverted. I like to read. So my church benefits from my introversion. So, so I'm wired for work. So here it is now. I'm analytical. So I'm like, okay, send praise. That's like cute. What's up, Kish? In my inner circle right there, what's up? One of my coaching students. She killing the game too. Hey. See, see that, no, 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 you should have said, you should have said, yes, I am. Okay, see, no, 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 not kill it. Yes, you are killing it. And God gets the glory. But you're killing it. Here it is now. Don't, don't miss this, y'all. Are y'all all right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm analytical, so I'm like, okay, that sounds like cute, but I have to understand what it means. You understand what I'm saying? This is the way I'm wired. But I, I, I did some studying. And in the coaching space, there's a usage of, a, you know, words like as mindfulness and reflective thinking and things like that. So praise is an expression of gratitude. So start doing some studying in that area. And what I realized is this, the expressing of gratitude demands mindfulness. So you cannot Express gratitude without filling your mind with that that you're grateful for. Did you hear what I just said? So when he's saying, (laughs) when he's encouraging us to give God praise, it's not because God needs to hear it. It's because we need to do it. I'm not praising God because he needs to be reminded of who he is. But I'm praising God because every time I praise him, I remind myself of who he is. So this is why the text says, send Judah first. Because every now and then you got to remind yourself, he brought me through the Red Sea. He brought me through Jericho walls. And he's going to bring me through this situation. Yeah. Chapter after chapter. Yeah. You see battle after battle after battle. To by the time it gets to chapter 6. I don't even have time to bother this. This is, ooh. By the time you get to chapter 6, there there is a generational cycle of victimization. See, you cannot understand Gideon. You can't just pull chapter 6 out of the context of the book of Judges. You miss the richness of what's going on here with Gideon if you just read chapter 6. You have generational cycles of victimization. Because Israel deals with enemy after enemy after enemy. And in Judges chapter 6, they deal with this specific enemy. Can I have five more minutes? I'm almost done. I, I made it to the text now. In in, in Judges chapter 6, listen to me. In Judges chapter 6, they're dealing with a specific enemy called the Midianites. And the Midianites were really, really different because the text says that the Midianites attacked Israel in a unique way. They didn't try to exterminate Israel. That's not what they did. text says they impoverished them. What does that mean? It means that they waited every year until harvest season. And they would come in at harvest season and take what Israel worked for. Did you hear what I just said? So their assignment was to steal. The thief comes. See, we go to kill, but steals first. He's not always trying to kill. Sometimes he's trying to steal. And if you don't know he's trying to steal, you will be celebrating survival when the devil's like, I didn't send that to kill you. You survived, but I stole something from you, and you don't even know I stole it. You survived, but I stole your joy. You survived, but I stole your peace. You survived, but I stole your optimism. You survived, but I stole your faith. So, you don't even believe, you're alive, but you don't believe the way you used to. I feel something breaking off people's minds. I, 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 did you? Uh-uh. I feel the Holy Spirit doing surgery in this place tonight. And I'm teaching, talking to somebody right now. What you in right now is not to kill the devil's trying to steal and the reason he's upset with some of you is because no matter what he tries y'all better come get me tonight. no matter what he tries you will not give him what he's after see that's what made him upset with Job <laughs> he came after Job's kids He came after Job's resources. He came after Job's health. But that's not what he wanted. He wanted Job to curse God and die. And Job wouldn't do it. Somebody is making the devil mad because he's coming after everything. But you can't have my praise. That's what you want. (laughs) You want my praise. want my dance. You want my hallelujah. So you keep messing with my relationship, but you're not gonna get what you're after. Because of when I think, I got to go of the goodness of Jesus. And all. Listen. Listen. So because they would impoverish Israel, this is why the Bible says when they run into Gideon, I'm wrapping up, you can see it, I'm wrapping up. When they run into Gideon, he's threshing wheat in the wine press. Does that make sense now? Which means at the, in the place where they're supposed to be pressing wine like squashing grapes and pressing wine he's taking wheat and he's hiding it in the wine press because he's trying to hide it from the Midianites and in the midst of his hiding God sends a messenger an Angelos to come to him and say the Lord's with you you mighty warrior one translation says you mighty man of valor wait a minute he's hiding He threshing wheat. I feel the Holy Ghost. He threshing wheat in the wine press. He's not fighting anybody. He's not acting courageously. But here comes God and gives him a word. And he calls him the exact opposite of what he's he's behaving like. Listen to me now. This is about to be different. This kingdom, not church. Your behavior is lying to you. He's acting in a way that's not courageous. But God looks past the fruit of that behavior and calls out the get-in that's behind it and say, even though you're acting fearful, there's a mighty warrior in you. And I'm getting ready to call it out. He calls him the exact opposite of what he's behaving. Your behavior is lying to you about your identity. The devil wants you to conflate your identity with your behavior He wants you to speak that over yourself. I am weak. I am a liar. Nobody come on Cuz are y'all following me God didn't give him a sword When you read the story he goes through no weapons training Because he say you got the aptitude. I don't have to send you through six weeks of training on how to use a sword. Cause the aptitude's not your problem. Your attitude's your problem. Listen to me. So he says, Gideon says, Well, if the Lord's with us, I'm done tario, then why why is all this happen to us? Where are all these promises that God talked about in the scriptures? He said, I need some. Are y'all ready for this? Get in, like, I need some explanations. I need it. I survived, but I need an explanation. I made it through, but I'm still trying to figure out why I went through. That's good. I know you're doing something, but why you have to do it this way? Yeah, yeah. That's so good. God it wasn't another way you could do this. I need explanation. And listen to this. He not the only one. Some of you in this room, and then it's in the overflow. You there right now. You're saying, God, I trust you. But I sure could use an explanation here. I know you're doing something. like you killing me every year you let these Midianites come you let me work all planting season but you won't let me reap An explanation, and the reason we want explanations is because we think, me included, we think that an explanation will give me closure. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. This was several years ago. I was going through a really difficult season. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you needed an explanation to get closure, I would give it to you. But I'm not giving you one, Darius, because no, no matter what explanation I gave you, you still wouldn't be satisfied. you still would want me to do it another way. So listen to what Gideon says. This is so powerful. He says, you can't be sending me. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Where did you get that from, Gideon? Who told you that? There's a whole nation waiting on you to recognize who you are. The very thing... That's oppressing you is the very thing you've been anointed—not just to break off you, but to break off Israel, Gideon. And it's being held up because you don't believe me about you. You don't think I—I I feel God. You don't think I knew what I was doing when I picked you. The Lord says to Gideon, I'll be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. He said, I'll be with you. I'm the weakest and the least. I'll be with you. I don't have any more strength yet. I'll be with you. I feel like I'm running on empty. I'll be with you. I don't know if I can do this much longer. I'll be with you. I'm suffering in silence. I can't even show how much I'm hurting. I'll be with you. I don't know what to do and where to turn. I'll be with you. The real war was not the war with the Midianites. The real war was the war Gideon was having with himself. I came for Gideon's tonight. Every time I come to this Every time we've done this It's been amazing But every time I come here I'm nervous Every single time Are they going to show up? Every time I feel like God tells me to do something I wonder can I do it? Every single time Every time. When I first got the call to ministry, I said, nah, I can't do that. I'm an introvert. How can I do that? I'll be with you. And I can tell you he's been with me every step of the way. And he's been with you, too. And that's why you're still here. So today, I want you to declare war, not on the enemy, but on the enemy.. Hand to God on your life provision of God coming into your life, the favor of God surrounding your life. Lord, I don't have time, but if I had Gideon in front of me and I was coaching him, I'd ask him, you said you're the weakest, who told you that? Where did you get that from? Is there some evidence you can point to to substantiate that? Because the devil is a liar. Think about it. He can't tell the truth. So whatever he's telling you about you, You need to know the truth is the exact opposite. This is why you shouldn't just praise God when God speaks to you. You ought to praise God even when the devil speaks to you. Because when he says you're gonna die, you say, oh, I'm gonna live. When he says you're gonna stay here, oh, I'm coming out. When he says you can't do it, you say, oh, I'm getting ready to do it. Because let God be true and every man be a liar. Get in. Come forth. Come forth. Get in. I want to pray over you. I'm praying for miracles tonight, and sometimes miracles show up. Watch this; they show up simply in the form of acceleration. I think we missed that acceleration. It's when God says, "This typically takes longer. But for you, I'm doing it swiftly, because you're in a season where I need to break this off you now. Now, 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 now. now. acceleration Quickly 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 you don't have years too many people depending on you You don't have years. You don't have years now too many people are depending on you quickly It may look like I'm sorry. Jesus I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice those in this space and those in the overflow I pray right now that you would introduce them to the them that they've been created to be Lord I pray for the awakening of every lion that's been in hibernation This is the season for that lion to wake up. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help us awaken from that slumber. Shake us until we come into who you called us to be. Wake up strength and wake up power and wake up focus and wake up confidence. And Lord, we pray against, we come against, we pray that your Holy Spirit would uproot Generational victimization. Disparaging words that are still lodged in the hearts of your people that cause them to see themselves as less than you've called and created them to be. I pray for supernatural heart healing. Are not my see? In the name of Jesus, uproot it and pull it out. Every father wound, bandage it. You heal the brokenhearted and bind their wounds. Every father wound, every every mother wound. Relational trauma that has caused your people to struggle with their worth and worthiness. We pray against that now. Deliver us from that evil. May we look back on this night and declare that this was a night, Father, that you woke up the lion in us, that you opened our eyes to see. It's not our aptitude. It's our attitude. We receive your ministry tonight in the name of Jesus. Let me hear the sound of victory in the epicenter tonight.